So we're going to be talking about justification today. Um, I'm going to read the definition from this chapter in the book. I think he does a, a, a good job of laying out uh, this particular this particular wording in such a way that highlights um, two of the aspects uh, that are su- that are things that we ought to consider whenever we consider uh, what it means to be justified. Right. So, um, justification here is a, a legal term. So you're gonna you're gonna see in his um, definition here that he he points that out well. So justification. This is this is the definition from this chapter in the book. Justification is an instantaneous legal act of God in which He first um, thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us and declares us to be righteous in his sight. So there's two things that I want us to see here. When we think about, and we're going to see this kind of as we as we look in Romans here in a second, but I want you to be aware and looking for this. When we talk about being justified, when we talk about what happens when we come to saving faith in Christ, this is not merely an act of, I say it's not merely as though him taking away our sins is some small thing, but it's more than just the taking away of our sins, right? So Adam was sinless before the fall, right? Yet he had not, and clearly we see this, uh, acted or would not act righteously through his life, right? So Adam falls because Adam is not righteous, right? Now, God can count a man righteous. Abraham is counted righteous by God, declared to be righteous by God. Why is Abraham declared righteous? Because he believed God, right? Because he believed God. God made promises to Abraham. Abraham believed God. And because of this, God declared him righteous. Now, this is more than simply being sinless, right? So when we talk about being justified before God, this carries that God declaring us sinless, but also another aspect that we ought to consider more often when we consider how it is that he looks upon us after we've come to faith in Christ. Okay, He sees us with the righteousness of Christ. Okay, this is more than like the, the term tabula rasa, right? Like being having a clean slate. When you come to Christ, It is not as though you have a slate that has been made clean and now it's up to you to go on into the future um, and, and, and you do with it what you will, right? When, when you're justified before God, God declares for you. So at the moment, right, like the gospel has been preached or you've been studying and spending time in God's word and the Holy Spirit preaches this gospel truth to you and you come to saving faith in Christ, that moment instantaneously, he thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. So 
He sees the work of Christ, sinless, without fault, in everything that He did throughout His life. He sees this righteousness and counts it as though you did it. Okay? This ought to, con- this ought to change the way that we live. This ought to change the way that we think about how God sees us. How many of you find yourselves at times in your lives where you stumble and you fall and your reaction is not to run to God in that moment? But just like Adam, when Adam fell, your reaction is to run and hide from God. How many of you find yourselves, maybe, maybe you know better, but you still go in that direction? Is that common? Right? How oftentimes do you feel that when you stumble, God now looks at you like less, lesser? Like he's like somehow his love or his care or his desire for you has now been lessened. And I think that um, that's what happens in the body of Christ when we're not open and confess our sins one to another is that we don't, that's not our first nature to confess our sins to another person because like our right standing with God is also right standing with people. Yes. And so when we are in the body of Christ, we, we our flesh runs to shame and we want to blame and y'all know this is true. It's true for us, but it's true for others that are not with us. Yeah. They are like, okay, shame. I'm going to separate myself from the body of Christ. Yeah. That's the same it's the same running. Okay, and I think part of this is it's our responsibility in a sense because, and, the, and this is probably, there's probably twofold. Probably we don't understand how, we don't understand truly how God sees us when we're justified before Him, right? So we find ourselves shameful and running from God. Now we ought to always be in, in a place of repentance, right? We talked about this last time that we were together, that, that we repent and we continue a lifelong pattern of repentance. When you sin, you ought to repent. But who are you? when you repent, what is repentance? But a turning to God, not away from God, not a running and hiding from Him, but a turning to Him. From your sin, turning from your sin and turning to Him. We ought to live in a continual pattern and practice of repenting of our sin, turning to God, not shamefully hiding away, right? Yeah. Now, yes. We can our sin. So, so when, we, when we ourselves treat our position before God in that way, when we treat it as though when I fall that God is somehow now ashamed, right? Then we treat others in the same way. We expect, we expect to, like, we put forward this pattern of becoming whitewashed tombs. That's the only way that I can, that I can, like, Put, put that forward where we, we when we look at our position before God 
in that way, we essentially lessen the reality in such a way that we consider ourselves no better or in no better position than the Jews who, who literally were the whitewashed tombs, who would make laws that they could keep because of the laws that they couldn't keep for this outward appearance of holiness, righteousness. But what I want to tell you is that God sees you today. If you are a believer, if you have placed your faith in Christ, your sins were imputed to Christ, Christ's righteousness has been imputed to you. When God sees you, believer... He sees the righteousness of Christ. This is what the this is what when we when we speak of being justified before God, this is not as though this is a a position which we step in and out of as believers. This is a position that we're firmly fixed within. As believers, you are, as a believer, justified before God. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west, but better than that. When he looks at you, when you think about, is he satisfied with me? Now, clearly, he's working by the power of the Spirit to move us and conform us into the image of Christ. And he will not fail in this work, though sometimes we feel like maybe that work is a little sluggish. He is faithful and will complete this work. But while he's working in us to conform us, always... As a believer, he sees us having completely satisfied the work of the law. He sees that what Christ was able to do and what we were completely incapable of doing, keeping the law fully. Christ lived an entire life. Like, the man's in his 30s when he's crucified. We get a glimpse. We get a couple of glimpses. We get a glimpse of his birth. We get this, this glimpse when he's kind of in that, like, preteen age, right? And then we get, we get the big picture whenever he's starting into his earthly ministry. Most of the Gospels are regarding this. But when it speaks about Christ and, and, and being righteous, all of the labor that he did at work, for all of those years when he was just the carpenter's son, in all of that, never did he fail to glorify God. So if he's laying drywall, if he's nailing nails, if he's, you know, whatever it is that the carpenters of his day were doing in all of this, he's never failing to 100% with all that he is, give himself to God for God's glory. And when God sees us as believers, he sees that righteous work. And I would go so far as to say that the life that Christ lived, he experienced moments where you and I in those same experiences fell short, right? 
He experienced life in its fullest, yet failed in no way. In no way. Right? And now instead of God seeing and looking on us as believers when we come into these moments, having failed, having fallen short, and looking at us like that, instead... He's declared the work of Christ for us so that when we stand before Him, we can come to God as though we were perfect, sinless, blameless. You can go to God, right? Because of this reality, you have been declared righteous before Him. Sinless, Blameless, yes, but righteous. You have in His eyes, in the work of, with the work of Christ over you, completely, completely, without one fault, been obedient. That, that obedience is declared to us. And this is what we, we speak about when we speak about uh, justification, not only the removal of our guilt for sin, but also the righteous work of Christ being declared over us. And this is, uh, we're going to be Romans chapter 3. Um, I'm going to start reading in verse uh, verse 10 here. And I'm, I'm starting with this particular piece. Like I say, this is not the first time. It won't be the last time. <clears throat> Excuse me, that we touch on this scripture because I think that it's I think that it's perfectly placed um, this reality of who we were versus who we are. So he's laying this out here. Uh, so we're going to start with this this notion that no one is righteous because apart from this work that we're speaking of, apart from Christ working in us and this declaration that God makes over us because of the work of Christ, we, f- we would find ourselves still in this position, right? So verse 10, as it is written, No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks. For God all have turned aside, and together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, pay close attention here, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So Paul laying out here the place of the law. When the law was given, sin increased under it. Because now knowing the law, we knew where to offend. That's literally the way that we were before the work of God in us. 
is that before that, all the law would do is give us a road map of where we're going to sin next. Right? We would see, we would see that we should have nothing before God and we would desire instead to place everything before Him. Right? Honor your mother and father. Please, look at the world around you. Right? Thou shalt not kill. And Christ takes these things one step further. The heart of the thou shalt not kill is literally the, the words that we would speak about someone. Right? And what we find is that when we measure ourselves against the law, who stands justified before God? No one, right? When we read, when we read, and, and I've read this before, and people oftentimes struggle with this passage, 10 through 18 here, right? Because people say, really? Not even a single one? Like, no one is righteous, no, not one, no one understands. And then this particular one gets people. No one seeks for God. And we struggle with that. Really? Does no one seek for God? No. No one seeks for God because when the law was given to man from God, man's sin against God did not diminish, right? You would think that if you said, here's what it looks like to live good and that any single person was wanting to live good and they looked at those commands, they would say, I will keep those commands, but what happens instead? We just break those commands all the more, right? So no person under the law can be justified. Verse 20 is critical here. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes what? The ability to keep the law? What? Did God give the law to us so that we would be followers of the law? Is that why the law was given? In hindsight, we ought to say no. Right? Now, in that moment when you were when you were the people of Israel and the law comes down and there's all this like, this is insane. Like God is calling us his and he's giving us these laws, and I will keep these laws. Right? Like, that's what, that's what we say. I will keep these laws. I will be righteous before Him. Like, and then what happens? You just read Scripture. You see this pattern throughout the Old Testament. You can't. No one ever did. And this is, this, the wording of this in verse 20 is important here. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Now, tell me this. If a human being could live by the law perfectly, would this be true statement? Think about this. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Here's the reality. If you could, then you would. Okay? If you could live perfectly by the law from birth to death, you would be righteous. But you cannot. It is an impossibility. And the wording of this makes that clear to us. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. The underlying idea there is that you can't do it. 
And this is not one of those you can't do it like I'm trying to motivate you to do it by telling you that you can't. This is literally against who you are. Your nature is against this law. And then that's where he gives us this reality. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. You look at the law and you say, yeah, I did that. That's what the law does for you. That's the whole purpose and point of the law is that when you look at the law, you see who you are. Right? You look at the law and you say, I'm an idolater, a murderer, an adulterer. You look at the law and you don't find yourself feeling good about yourself. The law was given to show us how unrighteous. To point out to us that if we stand before this judge in his court, we will not be justified. Cannot be justified before him. Unless. And then verse 21. But now... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And he's been talking about the Jews and the Gentiles before, so now he's in, in this he's literally saying anyone who believes. This is not just something for those who are aware of the law or understand the law or were um, trying to uh, follow after the law. Uh, this, is for, this is for all, right? All who will believe. For there is no distinction... And he's pointed out in the chapters before what he says in verse 23. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What has the law done for us? When we look at the law, this truth ought to be made known to us. Right? When we look at the law, we ought to realize that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? That is the purpose of the law, is to show us where we are apart from Christ. And... Now, verse 24, and are justified by his grace. So here's this, here's this word here. Justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by what? Faith. All right. Now, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. I'm going to stop right here for a second. So what God does in this act, of in this work of redemption, is he shows himself to be just and the justifier, right? So, so Abraham, was Abraham different than his brother? Was he without sin? Was any human being that you find mentioned in the Old Testament, did anyone live perfectly according to the law? No. Was anyone declared righteous in the Old Testament because they were able to keep the law? No. In fact, and he's going to go into this here in a moment, Abraham was declared righteous before the law existed. Before it was ever scribbled on tablets of stone, Abraham is already declared righteous. Through what? 
Through faith. Through faith. Right? And Paul, a lot of the work Paul does here for uh, bringing forth this idea of justification, he's having to lay this framework out so that we realize that what humans in the process had made to be the path to God, right? So what I mean when I say that, um, the Jews saw the law, they saw these good gifts that God had given to them, and instead of looking forward to the promises, ultimately the promises which are realized in Christ, they see these laws, they see where they can't keep many of them, and so they, instead of, instead of saying, God, we need you, God, we trust that you will bring this, God, we still rest on the promises of this Messiah, because we find ourselves continually failing and falling, they said to them, no, 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 here's what I'm going to do instead, I'm going to build up for myself, for ourselves, laws that we can keep, rituals that we can keep, traditions that we can keep. We'll pretend as though we keep the law. And what everybody will see on the outside is that we wash our hands before we eat. Right? Like they'll see the things that we can easily do. And they'll assume that we do the rest. It's the idea of whitewashed tombs here. Right? On the inside of whitewashed tombs, what do you find? You don't find living people inside at least not for not if they're there for too long inside of tombs you find dead people and you find their bones right that's not what that's not what we have hope for that's not what we want the christian life to be right we ought to guard against ourselves becoming like that right like if i'm t- like does do I put on to any of you that I live blameless. If I do, I hear me now. I am not without sin. And if any of you were to stand up and say that you were, I'd be like, liar, liar. I know me well enough to know how you live too. Right? Like, I know how I live well enough to know that you ain't perfect. But that is not what we're declaring when we're declaring that we're justified before God. when, When we speak about this reality, I say, Christ came. Christ lived perfectly. Christ chose to take my sins, my shortcomings upon Himself. Take those sins to the cross. He died in my place for my sins so that God could say of me that I am blameless. God says this of me. If if you are a believer, God says this of you. When, if, if you could imagine Him having a conversation with the angels about you, right? If you could imagine the conversation that He might have. Now, you know how you are. I know how I am. I know how, um, 
I know how gossip works. I know that you all like to hear something that's juicy, right? And then when you hear it, you, you like there's something about the way that we are that likes to speak about that, right? So we, we'll go off. So when we think about God and the way that he would speak about us, we think about God in terms of him acting more like us than him acting like he is, right? So when we think about that conversation, we're like, man, I sure hope he doesn't tell them about X, Y, Z, right? But no, 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 no. When God thinks of you, when he considers you, when he, when his mind lands on you, the thoughts that he has about you is about how perfect you are in Christ, right? When he looks at the works that you have done, he nailed them to the cross, right? So that he could say of you sinless, blameless, and still be just, right? And still be just. Because you know what you've done. I know what I've done. And if I were standing in court giving account for my life and the judge said, just go free, and everybody that I had ever offended or everybody that I had ever done wrong was standing in the courtroom and that judge said that, every one of them would cry out that that judge is not just. Because he just let me off the hook, right? But that's the work that happens in the cross is that those sins that I commit, that you commit, were not just swept under the rug as though they never happened. The God of all creation went to the cross. Went to the cross in my place so that there would be no one in that courtroom on that day who would be able to say anything of me because he has stayed, stood in my place right and and the work that he has done this is why it is so like uh, mind blowing is not only do I stand, do you stand guiltless before him, but because the work that he's done and the way that he has chosen to do this, I stand as though, as though every good work of Christ was a good work of Landon. Right? When you stand, if you're a believer, the way that you stand before God, it is though every good work that Christ did, you did. Right? That, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All of us will just really like bask in that and thankful, so thankful. Yeah. That we can stand because we are so unrighteous. Yeah. So and then that righteousness is just—it's been declared yeah. over us, right? If God has declared you righteous, who could condemn you? Right? And like this, this that we find in chapter 3 flows into chapter 8. Right? 
where we find that. Like, if, if God's for you, who can be against you? Right? If, if God has declared you righteous, believer, there is nothing, no one, who can condemn you. And it is not, and, and I believe the way that God has laid this out, He is, this work of God in redeeming His people has been done in such a way that for all of eternity, not one of us will ever stand up and say, look what I did here. All of this will be so that we praise the Lamb who was slain. Right? All of this for all of eternity. There will be no, I did this, look at me, look at how good I did. I kept the law in all its ways, right? We will, we will have no room for any selfishness in that regard. No room, no claim to any glory for ourselves. Because we know who we are. We know where we were. He came and found us, drawn us to Him by the Spirit. And now, having done all of that work, says, righteous. You are righteous. Not just sinless. Not just blameless. But when I see you, I see you having completed that work. So when you find yourself falling short, repent. Turn to the one that when he sees you, he sees the work of Christ completed in you. He sees you now. He declares over you now a reality that He's working out in us. And we will see this in, in some follow-up lessons that, that come down the line here. But He sees you now, and He's conforming you now into that image of what He sees of you. Right? He's working that into reality. So if you find yourself falling, repent until the day we never have to repent again. Because that day is coming for us as believers. There will be a day where we speak of our repentance in past tense. Because He fully, completely finishes this work. There will, consider this. He sees us in the work of Christ. Perfect. Completed. In the work of Christ. And He is, by the power of the Holy Spirit, working in us and will not fail in this work to bring us to that reality. He will make us what He sees of us. Right? He will make us. We will one day freely live. Holy righteous, sinless, blameless, faultless for all eternity, seeking nothing but His praises, His glory. And we will do so freely. It will be our desire to do so. He's conforming our desires even now 
to bring us into conformity with the image of Christ. I, I thank him so much for that.